just during our, um, our small prayer time. Uh, I don't know if it's loud in front of house, Stephen, or if it's the file back, but it seems loud from here. But we were just sharing that in the circle as we were praying. There was actually 12 of us in that circle at the time. But it only took 12 people to change the world, you know. It just took 12. And when you think about one of them, you know, he really, he, he, he dropped the, the bag literally um, pretty badly. That means that amongst those that were praying, just at the beginning, there was enough there to change the world. And so as our team jumps up to worship or lead us in worship, we ask them to step into a place where they encounter God and in the same time, we then follow them through that, you know. And, and I just think we're so blessed to be able to do that. So blessed to have a team of people that would... Because for some, it's really embarrassing being in front of others, singing or playing or speaking. It doesn't come naturally for everyone, you know. And so some of them, that's their sacrifice of praise just getting up for us. So I'm always thankful when the team gets up and does what they do, because I can't. We know that. I've never been allowed to sing into a mic. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. I can't play an instrument. I can't play drums like my son. You know, I can't play guitar like Ryan. I can't, definitely can't play the keys like Ollie. I can't sing like the gang. But they bring us into a place where we bring our sacrifice of praise, don't they? And it's a beautiful place. Anyway... Last week, I was talking about being vulnerable and I talked about coming to that place of shame, doubt, confusion. But in that place, being okay to lay it on the table, to, to pour it out in front of God and in, and in front of people. And I, we need to do that, I guess, despite how we feel. And it's interesting, the words of that, that song, though we don't see it, don't we don't feel it, you're still working. We need to do... And be vulnerable even when we don't feel like being vulnerable. Because for me, I believe that until you and I open up to each other, honestly and with God, that we're never going to experience the true relationship that awaits us. We're actually, it's like robbing ourselves, you know. It's like saying that, you, you know, let's pretend there's a bank that actually has a really good interest rate. I know one doesn't exist at the moment, right? Let's pretend there is one. And we say, we really love that bank. Look at what they're doing. If you put your money in there, you get 100%. But they're never putting your money in there. You know, God has offered us and given us so much. And he's saying, if you lay out some stuff, I'm going to give you 100%, yeah? I'd go as far as to say, until you and I can be totally honest with God, we won't experience the abundant life that the Bible talks about. How's that one? That's a good one. Everyone's so quiet at the moment. We should pray. Father, bless the message. <laughs> Get the hearts ready. Um, bring joy in the house. Lord, but speak to us. Lord, speak to us in such a way that when we walk out of this place, we truly would be a step closer to being more like your son, Jesus, having been transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Father, I pray that you would use me to bring a word that you have for us all. And Lord God, regardless of what preparation, Lord, I've done, if things aren't to be shared, allow me to forget them and miss them. And God, Holy Spirit, if you have a word to share, place it on my heart and allow it to come out that we might all hear it. So let's have a great Sunday together as we hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I was saying last week that facing and embracing our vulnerability is really hard. It is hard. It can be exceptionally hard. 
you know, being vulnerable. But it's the key, I believe it's the key for you and I to be whole. And I, I put up on our uh, social media page on Facebook, on our, on our Facebook cover, that what the enemy uses to stop us, God uses to propel us. And last week I shared that I really believe the enemy has so used vulnerability as a, as a source of weakness to stop us, yeah, to trap us in shame, where God wants us to use that vulnerability to propel us into the destiny that he has for us, you know. See, for me, the gospel message is a message of vulnerability. And I think the mark of us, you and I being a Christian, is vulnerability. So today, I want to look at that some more. But I want to look at, I want to look at Christmas. We've got Christmas coming up, you know. And I made a couple of comments last week around vulnerability that were really around Easter, the death, you know, God's journey to the cross, being spat on, being ridiculed. You know, do you remember the spit part, those that were here? I won't go there again. That part, that's right. Um, I won't go there again. So that was all, that's the almost an Easter picture of vulnerability, but there's a Christmas picture of vulnerability that I want to look at as well. Because at Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Yeah, and here's God coming to earth as a man, but he didn't come as a man. Yeah, he came as a baby. And I, I've shared this many times over the years here that. In coming to earth as a baby, it's an absolute sign of vulnerability. You know, God did it. He sent Jesus as a baby to make a way for us back to him, back into right relationship. That's why he sent his son, yeah? Because he wants to restore what was stolen. But legitimately speaking, if you're thinking about it, he really could have just come as a man and completed the last three years of his ministry. Having sent his son Jesus as a baby, for me... If it was you and I that had made the decision, you could almost suggest that that was a sign of madness. Like this is, like really, are, are you playing the game to win or you're playing the game to lose, you know? It's not like he's dealt himself an ace at the beginning. He's dealt, he's dealt himself the worst card in the deck, you know? A baby. Tim Keller says that in the gift of Christmas, the unassailable Omnipotent God became a baby, giving us the ultimate example of letting our defences down. It's not a bad quote, is it? So he's God. He's making his first move to win the war against the enemy, against Satan, against the devil. Because here at this church, we do believe as a leadership, and I, I certainly as a pastor, that, that there is an enemy. And whether you call him Lucifer, Satan, devil, I don't really mind what you call him, uh, as long as you don't call him your friend. But... We have him and then we have God and you have a choice. Yeah? You can go down his road and be miserable. You can have some fun. Sin's pleasurable for a time, but it leads to death. So you can hang around with him for a while or you can step over to the God side where you were once an orphan, now stepping into sonship where your eternity is assured. We have a choice. Yeah. So we have God sending his champion as a baby, a vulnerable little baby, and so for me, Christmas, and particularly because we, we're so close to it, is just a sign of vulnerability. You know, I know I've shared before that a baby can't do anything for itself. It just can't. Now really, apart from being cute, can a baby do anything else for itself? If it poops and you're not there, it stays there. Yeah? Just stays there. Days, weeks, months, 
one after the other. It stays there. It does. Let's just say it vomits, a baby vomits, and you're not there. You ever been there with a parent and the baby's vomited, but the parent has no idea, and it's just like hanging there, and you're like, hey, sorry, excuse me, your child that's thrown up, and they're like, oh, oh, thank you, thank you. Because the baby doesn't go, oh, I threw up, let me clean it up. It's quite happy sitting in its own vomit because it doesn't have what it needs to be able to clean itself up. Can't feed itself. Like, hello, stop crying. Like, I, I was so glad when I was able to say to my boys, get up off the couch, go get your own food, yeah? Like, a baby can't even get its own food. It is vulnerable, yeah? It is, useless isn't the right word, but there's just nothing it can do but smile, And I love the thought that God, baby God, born on Christmas morning, is completely vulnerable. Because it says to me that God wasn't going to hide behind the fact that he was God. He wasn't going to hide behind the fact going after the enemy and say, you know what, Satan, that was a really bad mistake. (laughs) There, fixed. Done. Adam, back into the garden, thanks very much. Yep, sin's done with. He didn't do that. He could have done that. He was God. He could have done the whole abracadabra, hallelujah, bang, finished. But no, 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 I'm going to send my master plan, my champion, my Hercules, my Samson, my Batman, and he's coming as a baby, you know, where he can't do anything for himself for years. Like it just, it really makes no sense. But I love, I'd really love that picture of vulnerability. God is trying to show us something. So often when we read the scriptures, we read the stories, we read this, we read that, but we miss what's... God's heart intent in it. Well, why did he do that? Why did he do it that way, you know? See, in becoming a vulnerable baby, God dropped all of his shields, all of his defences. And if I can put it this way, he literally risked his life for us. Yeah. In fact, we know later he gave it. But at that point, he literally risked his life, his entire plan for us and on us by sending Jesus as a baby. You know, the Bible's full of vulnerability, full of it. John 12, verses 1 and 2. It's the six days before the Passover. Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, She poured it on Jesus' feet, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Mary anoints Jesus' feet with perfume at a dinner party, yeah, in front of all the other guests, and the scripture says that the house was filled with the fragrance of that perfume, yeah? When when Mary starts to wipe Jesus' feet, his dirty feet with her hair, this is her being totally vulnerable in her affection for him, for the Saviour. She wasn't hiding it, yeah? She wasn't sitting there, primp and proper, nice, like you do, like we do. In some places, some churches, some seats, primp and proper, nice. Because we're reverent, yeah? She was like, blow this. Blow this reverent. I'm going to sing a little louder, yeah? His feet are dirty, Man, that's my king. He's, he, he, he's my lord. He, he's my saviour. He's my, 
He's my Messiah. I'm not going to leave his feet dirty. And so she takes the perfume, pours it on his feet, and then uses her hair regardless of what everyone around her would have been thinking at that time. Could you just imagine what people would have been thinking at the time? People think weird things when you raise your hands in church, when you've not been to it, when you're at a church that doesn't do that. <gasps> What's wrong with him? He must have some condition where he has to raise his hands, you know? Or if you sing a little bit louder or in harmony, it's like, no, that's not how we... People always, always have an opinion on how we do things, particularly when it comes to showing reverence towards God, yeah? But she was totally open, totally honest, totally vulnerable. She didn't care what people think or thought, so she washes his feet. And as she does that... I'll tell you what she's saying. She's saying to Jesus, you know, Jesus, I'm broken. I've got nothing but you. Yeah? There's a, a great song by Kim Walker Smith called Insatiable. And it talks about how God has this insatiable desire to have communion with us and be in relationship with us. That he just goes after us over and over and over and over and over again. And in the song, she finally says, you can have all of me. That's it. Just take all of me. Yeah, And I believe this is what's happening here with Mary. It didn't matter what others thought. Her pride no longer mattered. Yeah, She was just going to expose her heart, this place of vulnerability, to the world. Not just to Jesus, but to everyone that was there. Yeah, You've got to get that. You, you, don't, you don't get it, Pastor. I, I have my personal relationship with Jesus. Absolutely. Amen. You cannot have a personal relationship. Uh, not have a personal relationship. But you can't have a personal relationship without a corporate relationship that everyone sees. And you can't have a corporate relationship that everyone sees without having one tied to a personal relationship. They go hand in hand. Yeah? And here she is. She knew that she needed a saviour. She knew that Jesus was her answer. And at that place, she just lays down her life. It was no longer about her. It was all about him. Totally, absolutely, 100% vulnerable. And there's something in being vulnerable with Jesus... You're going to love this. That brings with it a fragrance. Yeah? It brings with it a smell. It says that that perfume, the fragrance of that perfume, filled the whole house. Something so beautiful that it can be noticed by those around us. Yeah? So her act of vulnerability in washing Jesus' feet, that place, that thing that she did in opening herself up, actually creates a space where people can see it, they can smell it. You and I, if we choose to live a vulnerable life with God and with each other, it actually creates an atmosphere around us that people pick up on. So beautiful, in fact, was the fragrance that here we are in 2019, and we're still talking about it, yeah? God calls us to be vulnerable all the time. I love the Psalms because right through the Psalms we read about you know, a whole bunch of different people, but particularly David. And David is just so open with his vulnerability, with being exposed. He's okay with that. And remember I said, for me, the mark of Christianity is being vulnerable. And so in Psalm 130 verse 1, what we see is a desperate cry of help that says, I need you, Lord. It says, from the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Psalm 77.3, I think, O God, and I moan. 
overwhelmed with longing for his help. So this is even just between you and God. Psalm 69, 14, rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me for those who hate me and pull me from those deep waters. Psalm 42, 5, just the first part. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? The list goes on and on. But what it is is David's and the psalmist's way of just saying, hey, I just need to be open with this stuff. I just need your help. I'm crying out to you, God. I need you to, to come in and touch me in places that I'm despairing. David and Mary knew the secret to living the abundant life that God created for us. And they knew that it was in being vulnerable, vulnerable to God, but also vulnerable to those around us. You know, God became vulnerable when he became a baby, a baby that can't do anything for itself. A baby that needs someone to help it. Yeah? Because when you look at a baby, what you see is what you get. It's the whole transparent package. You know from the outset that this child is going to need help. Help with washing, cleaning, bathing, crying, all that stuff. Yeah? You know that. And you and I need to live lives that are so vulnerable that what you see is what you get, yeah? No masks, what you see is what you get. The whole transparent package. See, the truth is you and I can't clean up the messes we find ourselves in. Often, more often than not, we need some help, be it from Father God or be it from one another. No different to a baby. Could that be why... God sent Jesus as a child, so vulnerable and weak, to teach us that in our lives, as we're walking and becoming more like him, that we're going to need the same help that that baby needs. But unless, like the child, we cry out, nobody would ever know. You know, sometimes it feels like life has thrown up on us. We need someone to come along and help clean it up. Just we do. You know, there is one that can always help us. Jesus. But we have to be vulnerable enough to go to him. You know, I love that scripture where it says, you draw near to God, he draws near to you. God is always there, but he's waiting for us. That's part of his plan. Yeah, He's my son, Jesus. All you need to do is accept him. So what it's not saying is, he's my son Jesus. But if you don't accept him, here's the ramifications of that. Yeah? If you draw near to God, he draws near to you. If you don't draw near to God, God's still there. He's just waiting. Yeah, he's like the prodigal son's father on the fence, just waiting. But the minute he sees the son running, he's over the fence. Because as you draw near to God, he draws near to you. Vulnerability is us yeah, drawing near to God. And as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And in fact, for each other, family, to build relationship. And you can't do that with everybody. You just can't, yeah? But some people you know there's a connection with. As you share, as you open yourself up, as you're vulnerable, as you take a step near to them, they take a step to you. And all of a sudden, you have a relationship that's intimate that you can share some of your struggles with. So now you've got someone that's cleaning you up, that's carrying you in times of need, yeah? It can be hard because when you're vulnerable... You look and feel broken. 
Yeah? Someone shared with me recently just via email that they had shared some personal stuff, some things that they hadn't shared before. They have shared things in the past, but just some things that they'd shared and they found themselves afterwards feeling really tired, yeah? just worn out because it leaves you feeling broken <laughs> a little bit because you've just aired your stuff. But unless you do it, people can't come alongside to help you mend. It's where the strength and power is. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. What a nutter. Like, seriously. If there's ever a scripture that we'd want to cross out, would be that one there. I now boast in my weakness. Wow, let me just go out in the street and tell people, I struggle with, I love to eat too much. I, I struggle with pornography too much. I struggle with drinking. I struggle in my marriage. I struggle. These are all examples, by the way, okay? Yeah, don't pin them all on me. Just, you know, like, I'm thinking, oh, they're thinking, wow, this poor pastor really needs help. They knew that a true relationship with daddy starts with being vulnerable. Paul knew it. He wrote it. Mary knew it. David knew it. In the same way that the baby's relationship with its parents starts in that place of vulnerability, ours starts with God in a place of vulnerability. You know, I feel like they knew that no friend, no doctor, no medication could really fill the deepest longings of their hearts so they cried out to Father God. It's where it starts. Starts with that, as people would say, that vertical relationship and then it moves into the horizontal with each other, yeah? You know, we, to, we need to learn somehow the same lesson, I think. We need to learn that he meets us right there in our place of our deepest emptiness. He gives us strength when we're weak. That's what Paul suggests, yeah? He gives us love in place of our selfishness, doesn't he? He gives us joy in place of our despair. He gives us hope in the place of hopelessness. It's God's, God's nature to give to us because he's love. And I love the fact that when we actually are open, honest and vulnerable and we bring our stuff to him, there's this awesome transaction. He takes that and gives us something better. Yeah? A bit like going to the jewellers to buy a gold ring and I hand them over a Lego and then they give me a ring. That would be awesome. That, that's, I mean, that really poor analogy, that's like we give to God, hey, God, I'm struggling with this. He goes, really? He Give it to me. Have that. Why would you take that? No one wants to take that, but he does. The truth of that alone shows us why being vulnerable is really the best thing, even though it feels like the worst thing. <laughs> Do you love the paradox of Christianity? They almost seem like opposites, don't they? We discover our reliance on God because there's no way to have a real relationship without becoming really vulnerable. Yet if we're to be vulnerable, you and I place ourselves in a position where we can get hurt and be hurt with each other and with God, yeah? Don't people get upset with God? Ever been upset with God? Because we've trusted him for something, and it seems like, even though I don't see it, even though I don't feel it, and so we get upset with him because we've opened ourselves to him. But the reality and truth is he's always working. But when we are vulnerable, we open ourselves up to be hurt and to get hurt. 
We open ourselves to be hurt and get hurt by those that are around us. Those that we're trying to build that deep, intimate relationship with, you know. I would imagine that many of us here have a story where they've shared something in confidence with someone that they believe could carry that for them and just keep it in prayer or what have you. And before you know it, someone else comes along and says, listen, I heard about such and such. It's like, really? When you're vulnerable, when you're open, you leave yourself to be hurt. But Christmas tells us that God became vulnerable. He became breakable, fragile. God became someone that could be hurt all to get us back. And if we want a relationship with him, and if we want a relationship with each other, and if we really want to be marked as Christians, then I think we need to be vulnerable people. That's fair enough, isn't it? If we can understand this, not only will our relationships with the Father excel, but it will teach us and allow us to get down, let our defences down safely in our relationships with each other. Yeah? Because we need, sometimes we just need to be able to share you know, I shared last week on Sunday when I was with the pastors and I was just sharing that sense of hopelessness. Ten years ago, I would never have shared that. How's everything going? Awesome. Living the dream. Life's good. Everything good? Yeah. How's things at home? Fantastic. Yeah, really good. Kids good? Yeah, kids are great. Meanwhile, I've ripped the ear off Nathan's left side of his head. You know, uh, I've tripped on a Lego and so I've kicked it so hard it's gone through the window. You know, I've got upset with Mel because she didn't salt the meat, you know. For those that don't know my wife, she grew up in a home that didn't salt or pepper meat, didn't season anything, but she's now been educated. Anyway, so just really bad examples, I know. See, when we think about being vulnerable... We need to ask ourselves a question. If God sent Jesus as a baby to be vulnerable, to get us back, to win us, to create a space for us to be in right relationship with him again, then maybe in our lives there are people that we need to be vulnerable with or vulnerable around so that we can work and move in relationship with them again or create a space where they can come back in. Maybe it's for them. Not so much for you. Who knows? But maybe that. Maybe that alone is why we need to be vulnerable. Because when we're on our high horses and life's always good and it's always grand and I'm living the dream, and, and there's nothing wrong with that when it's real, yeah? You never create a space for someone to actually share with you where they're at, yeah? One of, the, one of my greatest pains in life 19 years ago, 20 years ago, for those that are part of... Mount Clear would know, was going through my separation and divorce. I had three girls. But because of that, being able to share that, yeah, and what I went through has actually created a space where others feel comfortable stepping into before they even get to that, yeah? Sometimes we have to be vulnerable with what we've been through, what we're going through, so that others can step into a place to get the help they need, yeah? Sometimes we need to drop our guard, let down our barriers and our shields. Because in it all, we understand that, you know, yes, we, we could get hurt here and no one likes to get hurt, you know, and it, it leaves us feeling fragile at times. 
even like we're going to break. But God took that risk for us. And I just reckon that I just think we need to take that risk for him too, don't we? You know, if we want to experience a type of relationship with God and with each other that he intended, then it requires some of us to remove some of the, you know, the prawn shells off our off our being so people can see the real us. That's where true fellowship happens. True communion is, you know, Kristen said this morning, a common union, coming together, communicating. That's where it happens. It's, that's the place where you actually find family, true family exists, yeah, in that place. And some of us may not have had that example growing up. doesn't mean we can't walk in it. doesn't mean we can't create it. doesn't mean that we can't start to nurture a culture of it within our homes, within our church, within our surroundings. We're the very people that bring the power of the living God to those that are around us. His hands and feet extended. It starts with who we are and how we act through being open, honest and vulnerable. You know, when we finally understand and really know each other, you know, know each other, then I can't be offended. You, really, you can't be offended. I, I, in the past, I've said to people, how can you think that you, you actually, you know me? Yeah, it doesn't matter because you did this. No, no, no. You, you're missing it. You, you know me. You know the heart around me. Recently, because I, I've been unwell, John and Judy were really kind they gave me some cough medicine. It tastes terrible. It's yuck. It's the worst thing I've ever tasted in my life. But thank you. Because I know them, yeah, because I know them, I know their heart was, hey, this will actually help clear your chest. Now, if I didn't know them, I think they plotted they knew that whatever that stuff was, it was going to repeat on me every day for the rest of my life. It is so potent that it even cuts through the acidity of orange juice. But because I know them, I know that they were well-meaning. And so I can't be offended because they've stepped out to help me, even though it tastes terrible. Oh, my goodness. Like, fair dinkum. You know, I know that's a silly example, but, but do you understand? Like, you, if we know each other, if we truly know each other, man, I, know you, I, I know you didn't mean that. I, that. We can't place intent on people when we know their heart, yeah? I know when you did that, I, 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 this is how I received it, but I, I actually, I, I know you. I, I know that was never your intention. Yeah, because we can say it, but they people have to receive it. Yeah, so the only way we get to know people, yeah, so that we can actually walk with them in deep, intimate relationship, is to be vulnerable with them, to be open with them. Sometimes it can be really funny being open and honest with people. Sometimes it's really disgusting. Sometimes it's like that's enough. Please, you need to find another friend to share that with. I can only go this far on the journey. <laughs> but we've got to be able to do that so that we can experience all that God has promised us. Yeah? It's a scary place for so many of us to consider because living here, living in that place of vulnerability, a place where you can be hurt, a place where you can be exposed, 
But Papa, Father God, doesn't want to expose us to shame us. He wants to expose us to heal us. Yeah? You've got to, we have to know the difference. You can't have open heart surgery that you need, and if you don't get, you're going to die, unless they cut a hole in you, go rip open your chest, and then pull that sucker out. Yeah? Sometimes we've got to be totally exposed and vulnerable so that the work that needs to be done can be done. Because keyhole surgery doesn't work all the time. Yeah? Sometimes they've got to actually really get in there deep. I really love that thought. God reminded me of that this morning. This morning I wrote, can't do open heart surgery until you open the chest. Can't be open, honest and vulnerable unless you're open, honest and vulnerable. Can't have an intimate relationship unless you're open, honest and vulnerable. You can have a relationship like keyhole surgery and that'll be a, gr- just, that'll be a great level of superficial communication but you'll never really be deep. You know, this scripture makes a lot of sense to me because I think it captures the true essence of vulnerability in John 12, 24 and 25. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, I know that that passage of scripture is talking about Jesus' death, his own death. But I want to suggest that he's talking about gospel living in that. He's talking about how we should live our lives. A life where we put to death our fears, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, unless we put to death our fears, unless we put to death our confusion, unless we put to death our doubt, unless we put to death our shame. How do we put it to death? We publicly shame it by being open, honest and vulnerable. Isn't that what God did through Jesus? He publicly shamed the enemy by nailing his son on a cross, a place of vulnerability, to have victory. Sometimes you and I, for us to have the victory, yeah, a kernel of the wheat has to fall to the ground and die. We need to put to death the stuff the enemy's trying to trap us in. Because when we put to death the stuff that we make a public spectacle of, things that we were ashamed of, God then has the victory. God then starts to just to do stuff. He resurrects areas of our life that could never be resurrected until that stuff was dealt with. And often it's not dealt with because we hide it and we're not vulnerable. We don't want people to know that we struggle with those things, yeah? I hope that makes sense for someone. You know, it comes through being vulnerable. True joy and fulfillment comes through sacrificing ourselves, through being vulnerable, even to those that reject us, people who reject us. It comes through pouring out ourselves for others and trusting God will lift us up at the right time. You know, at Christmas, we see this gift of vulnerability so that we can experience intimacy. And that, that vulnerability allows us to be truly intimate with each other. And I think that's really important. Vulnerability is the key to our relationships. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I like the message version. The message version says, Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed that's not bad yeah not feeling whole not feeling healed today 
Maybe we need some people that we can confess our sins with. However you want to determine what sin is, the thing that separates you from God, where you choose your will over his will, where you just choose the stuff that you're struggling with. Yeah. So we can live together whole and healed. I want to suggest that there would be less fighting and offence amongst Christians if we would just confess. Don't you reckon? That would be so good. If we could just be vulnerable. You know, the mark of a Christian is vulnerability. It's a whole bunch of stuff that I'm just going to jump right over. And so I'll ask the question instead. Are you willing to be vulnerable? Are you, Mount Clear Church of Christ, willing to be vulnerable today? Truly, are you willing to be vulnerable? Willing to be vulnerable to grow in intimacy with Father God? Willing to be vulnerable so you can grow in intimacy with the people on your left and right, yeah? With each other. And will you be vulnerable so that as you step out in faith, others will discover the living God? Yeah. Jesus had to face and endure shame at the cross. We know that. In the same way, he made himself vulnerable by heading to that cross. You and I have to make ourselves vulnerable and die to our shame. And the Bible says, pick up our cross daily. Yeah. So God's love for us is the ultimate sign of vulnerability, whether it's at Christmas as a baby or at Easter on the cross. Both are measured by the capacity of being hurt and being able to be hurt and get hurt. The reason most of us here don't live vulnerably is because we're always trying to protect our heart because we don't want to be hurt. But Tim Keller again says this, there's no way to have a real relationship without becoming vulnerable to hurt. That includes God and includes each other. There's no way to have a real relationship without becoming vulnerable to hurt. Why don't we all stand if that's all right? The truth of the gospel is this, that the word cuts like a double-edged sword. As it goes in, it cuts on the way back out. Yeah, Don't just think it's got a blade on both top and bottom. It actually has the ability to cut that way and cut that way. It cuts in and it cuts out. And if we're not challenged by the word of God, then we're not reading the word of God. Yeah, God wants me to be vulnerable cuts like a double-edged sword not a single edge okay i'll be vulnerable with god the double edge i've got to be vulnerable with one another yeah i'm going to be vulnerable with god because i want him to deal with the stuff in my life and if i don't bring the darkness to the light the darkness can't flee so i'm going to do that awesome but the other side of that is i've got to be vulnerable with those that are around me as well one it leads them to god and two it leads them to a place where they can be jesus for me and you and i deserve the right to be jesus for those that are around us wonderful privilege and honour we have and we have the right as being sons and daughters of God to have others come around and actually bless us by being Jesus to us but we won't step into that unless we realise how this thing works Yeah, the mark of a Christian is vulnerability and what the enemy uses or has tried to use over the many years to stop us God wants to use to propel us so just for a moment, why don't you close your eyes because I want us to be challenged today. And I don't mind if you go out with happy fuzzies. That's good. Yeah? 
But part of the challenge, or part of Christianity, is being challenged and still having a cheerful spirit, still having the happy fuzzies, still knowing that I have an opportunity right now to step into a life where I can be more like Jesus. You don't have to be vulnerable. You don't have to be more like Jesus. <laughs> really easy to say no. And the truth be known, I, for one, have many times said no in the quiet of my heart, in the recesses and darkness when no one else is around. And I'd imagine there are others too. But today, let's not be people that say no. Let's be people that say yes. Choose who you want to be vulnerable with. And slowly, don't just, don't just blurt your life out. You might scare them. But choose and build a deep, intimate relationship. Start with God and then with each other. Just watch what God does in the frame of family as we communicate with one another in common union. Amen. So if you're here today and you're really deep in your heart, you're like, man, I love that. I don't know how to do that. Let's, let's pray together that God teaches us how to do that. If you're here today and you're already vulnerable, amen. Maybe you need to get alongside others and coerce them or to help them learn. Learn's probably a better word. Don't coerce them to share this stuff, but teach them how they can do it in a safe place. Be the safe place that one day when they need it, you're there, yeah? Let's be that people. Let's be an authentic people. Let's be a people that have learned to live intimately with God and with each other. Because when we step out in that place of faith and allow God to be God, he does that to us and he does that in us and he does that through us. Amen? So, Father, right now I just pray that, Lord, that we sang songs today that sometimes we don't see it, sometimes we don't feel it, but you're always working. And, Lord God, in amongst our storm, we want to raise a hallelujah. So, God, in those storms of life, teach us how we can share those. Teach us, Father, how we can come alongside yourself and those around us that love us, that we can just say, hey, I've got this struggle, I've got this issue, I need some help, I could use some prayer. Help us to be a vulnerable people. Father, that what the enemy has so used to confine us and to stop us in life, Father, that you would use to propel us. Father, I thank you for the truth that unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground, it dies, it abides alone. But thank you, Father, that today we're making a commitment, Lord, to put to death the things in our life that are holding back the blessing. Lord, whether it be confusion or doubt or addiction or shame, Father, whatever it is, Lord, I know that while they are alive and well, Father, no fruit will come of it unless that kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies. Father, this day, Lord, we allow those things to die. Teach us how to kill off those things, that we might see the blessing in our life, that we might see it poured out, overflowing, Lord, to us and through us for those around us. Thank you, Lord, that, Lord, as we step out in courage, give us the courage we need to be the people that you have purposed from the very beginning. Lord, that those around us may not only be amazed, but they might discover Jesus, that they might find the same love, the same forgiveness, the same mercy, the same acceptance, Lord God, as we share our lives with them and they share our, their lives with us. So we thank you. We thank you for the challenge, God, of being more like your son, Jesus. We thank you for the Sundays. We thank you for the Mondays. God, we thank you for the highs. We thank you for the lows of this day. We thank you for you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the way that you're going to guide us over this week as we 
tackle vulnerability. And everybody said, Amen. Let's be vulnerable.